tired. So tired. Over tired. Hey, Christina. Hey, Brett. It's your turn to do the intro. It is my turn to do the intro. You're listening to Overtired. I'm Christina Warren. That's Brett Terpstra. What's going on, Brett? How are you? I So I woke up this morning um, late, I should say. I didn't get up till like 7.30 this morning. And I woke up to a uh, little scurrying uh, around on my uh, mattress or my, what's it called? A duvet. Uh-huh. And... Uh, so here's the backstory. Right now, while we're getting used to this new kitten, and this new kitten is getting used to us, and our new our old cat is getting used to the new kitten, we keep them separated. So right, the yeah, kitten, that's what you were saying last week. Yeah, like the, so the kitten the, has the, her own room, mm-hmm. and there's a gate, like a child gate, on the room. And yesterday, I I went to feed the kitten and found her sitting on top of the gate, which I thought. Okay, she she's curious, but she didn't leave the room. Uh, c- cats are territorial; that she wants her territory, um, right? And everything was fine until this morning when I realized that scurrying definitely wasn't my twenty-pound elder cat. It was either a <laughs> mouse or the kitten had escaped the room. Uh-huh. And so I looked up and saw a flash of fur running and she was kind of freaked out being in this big space that definitely wasn't the territory she had gotten used to. So right. I had to coax her out from under a bookshelf and uh, and get her back in a room. So now the door is closed. She no longer gets the uh, the child's gate view of the outside world. <laughs> She she needs at least another week of uh, of separation before Yeti's ready for her. Because Yeti went right. to the vet again yesterday. He was walking around just peeing blood. Oh. Elder cats are expensive. But he's not dying. Yeah. It's okay, well, well, that's good. It, it's treatable. Okay, well, that's... I'm glad it's treatable because it'd be very upsetting if it weren't. Um, although that... Because because cat urine has a distinct smell, and I have to imagine that like bloody cat urine is well, so, even more distinct. Yeah, it wasn't actually urine. Like he was he was doing his normal business in the litter, but whatever he was walking around the house doing was really just uh, like blood and clear fluid. Ugh. This is gross. Um, this is gross. I was going to say, let's not talk about this. I really yeah. don't want to. I'm, I'm grossed out, and and I I I, I don't I don't want to talk about this. See, here's um, the okay, thing. Here's, so here's the thing, yes. though, is when Yeti is is ready to go, it will wreck me, but it will not be nearly as sad as having to put Finnegan down at like nine months old. Right. Like it will be. It will be sad, but less tragic. Well, right, because he because he's lived a good life and um, he's lived a great life. That cat has had everything. Right. So, yeah, I mean, it's well, it's it's different, right? Like, it's just yeah, it, it, you mourn in different ways. Like you can appreciate what you had versus like the promise of what you never got to experience. So enough talk about old people and their ailments. But but the cat escapes. So, so this is the interesting thing to me, like the cat, like clever little cat like like little 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 bot is like clever to be able to get out of the baby gate yeah well i mean it's a matter of scaling uh we yeah got, i know but we, still we got one that has it's like um uh it's plastic but it, it's in like a chain links 
fence like diamond pattern mm-hmm. right with a with a little work and some upper body strength it is scalable i just didn't think she would right no i mean i i get what you're saying i know it's possible i'm just saying i'm impressed and part of this is because i'm comparing myself to a cat now which is weird but <laughs> as like a baby this was what i did and <laughs> you're it, an escape it, artist Yes, actually, my mom used to call me Christini Houdini. And um, I, I would, well, it was a problem, though, because title. Yeah, well, it was a problem, though, because I would escape from my, um, from basically anything, I'd get out of high chairs, I'd get out of very complicated uh, car seats, like my mom would like take me to the baby store and like put me in the car seat and she'd be like, escape. Um, you know, I, I got out of my crib, really, really young. Um, and it was the same concept where I basically just was able to pull myself over the bar and flip myself over. And, um, one of my, my parents' friends was over and he was like a police officer and he was like, I've seen, you know, kids break their necks or whatever, take the crib apart now. So, you know, I slept on a mattress for a long time (laughs) because I wasn't big enough to be like in a big girl bed, but I clearly was not to be trusted inside the crib. So yeah, I used to do stuff like that. I used to, you know, crawl on everything, walk on everything. And yeah, I used to escape things. So I, um, I'm definitely bonding with this cat based on this story (laughs) is what I'm trying to say. I, I don't think, I don't think I was an escape kid. I think I was more of a like scared of the outside world kid. Yeah, I, I, it was weird. I, um, my perfectionism really didn't get like, it's a weird thing. I think when I was like, started like regular public school or whatever, something switched my brain or, or something with, you know, having different, uh, I guess maybe even authority mechanisms. I'm not sure what it was, but around the time I was like, like five or six, something kind of switched with me for a number of years. But when I was really young, I mean, I was totally the kid who would jump headfirst into the one foot pool, you know, and, and would, and would, you know, just, just, you know, they called me the wild woman and, you know, I'd escape things. I had no fear, like just didn't care, you know, would like, you know, crawl on top of everything and, you know, figure out how to do self gymnastics and whatnot and, and all kinds of stuff just didn't care. Just was like, well, what's the worst that can happen? I, I guess I could like skin my knees, but that's not a big deal, whatever, you know? Huh. All right. All right. I know. I know. That's that, that, that kind of leads into a mental health corner. It does actually. It's, it's a, it's a good time to uh, go into uh, Brett and Christina's mental health corner, but I think uh, it's Brett's turn today. Cause we talked about my issues being propped last week. So well, how are you fo- doing Brett? Follow up though. How, how's your mental health state after a week of, uh, of, of not being robbed? Um, well, you know, a week of not being robbed has definitely improved things. Um, I'm still like dealing with the insurance gobbledygook, mm. but I, but I've decided to just kind of um, take that as it comes, but no, I'm doing better. You know I mean? It's one of those things where like the anger is basically gone, not at the apartment community, but is you it know, easy for you to do stuff like pick up the phone and call an insurance company. No. Yeah. Me either. I hate it. I hate it. It's it's one of those weird things. And it's it's honestly, it's a bizarre thing in that I talk for a living. Like that's <laughs> totally. a fundamental part. You know what I mean? Like it's a fundamental <laughs> part of what I do is I talk for a living. Yeah. And yet things like that, I really get anxiety and just uncomfortable about. I just, I don't know. I, I don't like it. I yeah. hate it. It's like my least favorite thing. There's definitely an anxiety like component for it for me to those calls, but also just some kind of mental block 
that like I mean it's even true of calling friends. Like there's something about talking on the phone that really turns my brain off and it just refuses to pick it up and dial. Somehow I am able to podcast, no problem. Right. But yeah, I'm, I'm, phone calls kind of out of the question most of the time. Yeah, I, I don't like I don't like the phone. It's weird, though, because I will FaceTime with people. Interesting. Yeah, I don't I won't usually initiate the FaceTime, but like if they call me, you know, I'll, I'll pick up or whatever. No, but that's fair. That's fair. I have like through the, the pandemic, uh, the, the people that I, I do talk to, we have moved to uh, FaceTime and, and Zoom calls and it is way easier for me to video chat with someone like I still am not calling anybody, but I'm pretty open. If someone says, Hey, can we chat? And we jump on a video call. Yeah. That's way less of a block. I wonder why that is. I don't know. I've thought about this a lot. Um, uh, we could, we could, this could be a whole thing. So, but I've actually, we should come back to this at some point because I've actually given this a lot of thought about why, you know, being on the phone is this weird blocker. And honestly, my my big kind of takeaway, to be totally honest, and I hate to say this because I think that this is such a, a crutch in a lot of ways, but I do kind of blame technology. Okay. Like, I feel, I do feel like when I was a kid, it wasn't like I liked to call strangers and it wasn't like I liked to call, you know, stores or whatever. And I would maybe have to practice and, and do that sort of thing, but I could do it and I would call my friends and they would call me and I never had issues with that. But from the time I was basically 13 years old onward... Um, most of my primary communications with people, I mean, there was a lot of phone calls, but a lot of it moved to, moved to text, you know, with yeah. AOL Instant Messenger and then SMS and, and then, you know, other stuff. And so my kind of thesis, to be totally honest, is that like, I think that for a lot of us, and I, I would include you in this, even though, even though you're older, I think that we've formed a lot of our like formative kind of social relationships and like cues over text. Yeah. Whereas voice is something, if it's not in something where like, maybe we feel like we have control, like a podcast or even something like a video call, which still feels almost text. Like, I don't know. I just feel like there's, I feel like that's part of it because it's not unique just to us. I've talked to a lot of people who are younger than me who deplore the phone. And I I, I really do think that it comes from like. I wonder if it's because of these advances in technology, voice calls became something that you only did when things required it like it was for serious situations so in my head talking on the phone indicates like yep bad things are happening no i actually i think you nailed it i think that's probably it is that you you get you have these comforts in these other ways and maybe that is also why facetime and zoom calls and things like that are easier too because it's a different motif we haven't yet gotten to that point where you have negative things happening that way so yeah i think that's probably it huh interesting we've solved it We've solved it. I just got a, um, a mention just showed up in my uh, Twitter stream uh, from Victor from Tua. And aw. it says, I should talk to T.T. Scoff and make a song with that audio. And there's not a small part of me that wants to follow that right now while we're talking and see what we're making a song out of. But I'm going to resist. Yep. My ADHD has been killing me for the last couple of weeks. Like, I, my last mood swing... Like I was having basically a manic episode a month for Mm -hmm. almost a year. And then all of a sudden, it was actually right after I decided to write about my bipolar. 
I got stable and I haven't had a, a mood swing for like going on four months now. And it's killing me. Like I came to rely on those manic episodes to get shit done. Interesting. And so now that you have the stability and you don't have that, like your ADHD is. It's being... making me very aware that my Vyvanse is not working anymore. Interesting. Now, do you think that it is like the amount? Do you think it's how much you're taking? Do you think it's the Vyvanse itself? I think it's Vyvanse in general. Um, when Back in the day, uh, I used to get both Vyvanse and Focalin, which right. I'm told is a really bad idea in post. But my psychiatrist at the time thought they made a great combination. And honestly, I have never been better off than I was on the combination, as risky as it may have been. I'm not going to ask to go back to that because no, I think no modern psychiatrist in their right mind would prescribe both. I mean, you never know. Um, but maybe it would be one of those things where maybe you could say, like, should you switch to Focalin? Yeah, well, I think... I'm I'm curious about Dexedrine, which I've mm -hmm. never tried. I've oh, yeah, that's also, what I'm on. I've also never been on plain Adderall or Adderall XR. Yeah, so I'm on Dexedrine um, um, uh, um, XR or Spansel, so, yeah. which is their extended release. So that's what I've been on my whole life okay. um, or, or half my life or whatever. Um, weirdly, I've tried Vyvanse two or three times, and each time I've tried it, even though it's the same sort of you know thing, yeah, it has it has not worked for me. Uh, it, and I've I've weirdly have had a similar thing with New Vigil, whereas Pro Vigil worked really well. New Vigil, oh, totally. I had the same, I had the same like weird reaction with New Vigil each time I tried it. But I've tried Vyvanse a couple times because it's easier to get. And um, there was a time this isn't the case anymore, but there was a period of time when it was actually really difficult to get Dextrine. Because I think that they they were like limiting how much of it they were making or something, and it was really hard to get. And so, you know, my doctor was like, "Okay, well, if this doesn't come back into supply or whatever, then we might have to look at switching you to something else." And so I was trying the Vivance, and it just didn't work. Yeah. Uh, but but fortunately, you know, the the Dexedrine uh, had supply has has been fine in the last few years. So yeah. uh, I'm a big fan of that, but. Um, I mean, it's definitely, I don't know how different I've never taken Adderall. Uh, so I don't know how different it is from that. I mean, they're conceptually all the same thing. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, there's two major classifications of, of, uh, stimulants used for ADHD and basically, uh, amphetamines and, and dexal methyl amphetamines. Right. Um, and so basically the difference is Ritalin versus Adderall. Mm -hmm. And like everything can kind of like Focalin is a, a, a of the Ritalin variety. Vyvanse is of the Adderall variety. I'm not sure where Dexedrine falls on that scale. It's the Adderall variety because what Vyvanse actually is, is that it's like water soluble Dexedrine. Yeah. Okay. So it's, it actually is Dexedrine, but it's, it's, you know, it requires, you know, the, the stomach acids or water solubility or whatever the hell the thing is, you know, yeah. they, they split it apart so that, so that, in theory, kids can't snort it as yeah. easily. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, but, but but it's like it's still the same component. So it's it's definitely of like the Adderall, um, you know, like variety of, yeah. of amphetamine. Um, so. So we're about to find out what happens when I go to my psychiatrist and ask, ask to switch meds. It'll be the first time I've switched meds since I started my current psychiatrist. 
Well, I mean, I think that that's, I mean, it's, it's a good test. I mean, you need to figure it out. Um, well, but also, I mean, it's always the possibility. She says, Oh, no, that's drug seeking behavior. Now you don't get any. That's my, I, that's my deep seated fear. I know. I, I know. And, and I was going to say, this is what you're afraid of. You're afraid she's not going to give you anything. I mean, I think the thing that you point out is, is you're like, look, this isn't working. I'm having these things. You can, you know, mention your symptoms. Can we try something else? And I would, you know, to prevent the the thought of drug seeking thing, this Don't is where make I would a specific be like specific request. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Like with a new doctor, like yeah. if it's somebody who you have a good rapport with, I mean, it doesn't matter. But for this sort of thing, yeah, just don't make a specific request and just be open to whatever she's saying. And then if she does say something that seems off, you could be like, okay, this is fine, but have we considered? I, I'd read yeah. some things about this, you know, like yeah. yeah, I'm I'm not I'm not new to. uh to trying to get the meds I want because I am actually an addict. So <laughs> I have experience with this. Uh, to be clear, that's not what I'm trying to do this time around. No, well, that's the thing. I mean, and, and which which I think for you has to be maybe like the more frustrating aspect, right? You're like, I, I, I'm I, not doing anything wrong. I promise. <laughs> yeah. Like, I it actually don't. Yes. Yeah. What is this? Oh, okay. Sorry. I got distracted by a, a widget in Quip. See, I'm I'm easily distracted. That's what I'll tell my psychiatrist. Well, I mean, that's the thing. You can you can you can talk about that. You're like, look, I'm having to even for me, I'm having to make conscientious efforts to stay on task or, or stay focused on the same thing. So you know what so, happened? What's that? Taylor Swift dropped another album. I know, I know, it's so good. Oh, I'm you so saw this? yeah. I, I'm I'm shocked too. Honestly, I can't believe that. Um, that it actually hit my radar. Um, <laughs> no, I actually felt honestly, because, you know, we made like the, I made like the tiny reference to her when we recorded our show last week, which was Wednesday, the day it actually went up. And then Thursday, the next day was when she did the same thing that she did last time where she like announced like in the morning, like I'm dropping another album at, at midnight. And I woke up fairly early, but not like, eight o'clock in the morning, which was 5 a.m. my time, which I guess was when she'd announced it. And people were like, I'm looking for your take. They're like, oh, Christina's still asleep. And I'm like, well, yeah. And then I, I woke up, you know, a couple hours later and 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 I had a million tweets, notifications and stuff. And I was like, okay, what? And uh, my first thought was that it was like maybe rejected tracks that she'd recorded from the folklore sessions, but that's not what it was. It's like all new stuff that she recorded after folklore was already completed and after they'd already, you know, received the praise for it and whatnot. Um, have you listened to it? I, I have dabbled in it because I knew I had to for this show. Yes. It's really good. <laughs> it's, it's really good. I haven't found the standout track yet. Um, so for me, the, there, there are a couple, uh, uh, champagne problems, which is track two is really good. Um, the, the, the track, um, the final track evermore, which is another one with Bon Iver, is really, really good. There is, um, closure is, uh, on the album that that's probably one of the most 1989 like songs on the record, which, uh, has a good beat to it. There are a couple of others that, uh, are a little more upbeat, I actually think pr the production on this one is 
uh, a little more robust and is a little more open, whereas like folklore felt very constrained. And I mean, which it was right, like it was completely produced, you know, like remotely where, you know, he sent her the tracks and then she sent back, you know, finished stuff and then it was mixed and whatnot. Um, this one, it there was more collaboration, like they were actually in the same space together. I think that the stuff she j she did with Jack Antonoff was done separately, but or at least some of it was, but it seemed definitely like there was a lot more open collaboration. Um, and, and so there is different experiments and, and definitely there's more kind of genre, um, like shifting, like the, 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 the song with Haim is definitely like a, you know, Dixie chicks, um, you know, esque, you know, country song. Um, but, um, nobody, no, no, no crime, but, um, I, I like it. I think it's really good. I'm, I'd actually be curious for you to listen to the whole thing and, and give your take because I feel like it's still not going to be your album because it doesn't have the bangers, but there are more upbeat and bangery songs on this one than there were on Folklore. Yeah. So I, I never listen to whole albums anymore, which is possibly uh, uh, a moral failing on my part, but I'll see how far I get through it. Um, I'll send, I'll, I'll send you, I'll go, I'll go back and after this is over, I'll send you some of the, the tracks I think that you'll like the most. But, I do um, love Bonavar. So pretty much yeah. anything that he's on, I'll, I'll, I'll give a listen to. Yeah. And actually what's interesting. So Evermore is a freaking great track. Like it was, I was so excited when I was listening to it um, because he comes in like halfway through and, and, and also the, the complete like uh, structure of the song changes, like the pace picks up and it like almost kind of becomes a, a different song. And it reminds me a lot of, of what Sufjan Stevens does with some of his sure. songs where like halfway through it, like just like kind of like takes a turn and it, it there, but there's just like this crescendo moment where he starts singing and she starts singing and like, I just, when I was listening to it for the first time, like I posted pictures on Twitter, like of my actual facial reaction. And it was one of those things where I was like grinning from ear to ear. Like I was so excited. Like I was almost in tears. I was just like, my mind was just like being blown and it was just, it's really good. Uh, he's also on a track that she does with the national called Coney Island. And I believe that he does some voice work and some of the other stuff. So there's this one track called uh, Marjorie about her grandmother and no one watched. The, I will just say this. A, the song is beautiful. And I cried the first time I heard it because I thought of my own grandmother. And then I watched the damn lyric video. No one watched the lyric video if you don't want to cry your eyes out. But if you want to cry, watch it. Because unlike the rest of the lyric videos, which are usually just like a like a 15 second clip kind of, you know, repeating um, kind of like an Apple TV, um, you know, like screensaver or whatever, uh, where like the lyrics are are arranged. This one is actually all like home movies of her grandmother who was an opera singer in the fifties. And, um, you know, uh, it even includes some of her opera, like voice kind of mixed into the end. And it's just, it's, it's a really touching tribute and you will cry. Like, I, I don't care who you are. If you watch that, it, that lyric video, you will cry because it is at least for me, it made me think about my grandmother a lot. And, and I was like, I, I don't need this right now, but this is lovely. So. Um, so Dean Johnson will be d disappointed that we talked this much about Taylor Swift already. I'm sorry, Dean. Have you ever, you probably don't know my friend, Frank Petrie. I don't um, think so. He is, he's a paraplegic in a wheelchair and uh, no offense to Frank, but he's a, he's a kind of grumpy guy sometimes. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I'm pretty sure he started listening to Taylor Swift because of us. <sighs> nice. And he is almost always the first person to DM me to let me know there's a new Taylor Swift album, which I find that's uh, awesome, endearing and and humorous. <laughs> he just he has never struck me as the Taylor Swift kind of guy, uh, but but he he was very excited about Evermore. He said it was great. Uh, pointed it out, is pointed out tracks I should listen to. Okay, good. Well, we'll we'll take his advice for sure. Um, I'll send you some as well, but but take take his first. But yeah, actually, this is the funny thing, and I'm sorry, Dean, that you're gonna have to listen to more of this. But that's what's sort of interesting about this. I feel like okay, because we've been doing this show off and on for like six years, and we've gone through like it's been a kind of a Taylor Swift podcast basically the whole time. Yeah. And what's interesting is um, I I had a a tremendous amount of like dudes, like people who were not typical Swifty guys who were really getting excited and were um, engaging with me when the album was released. And, and I, I kind of thanked them. And a lot of them, some of them said the same thing. They're like, I've listened to you in podcasts for years. I kind of got into it. But also I feel like the last two records, like unfairly or not, like have, you know, um, kind of forced people who would never want to call themselves like, oh, I don't listen to Taylor Swift because, you know, they think they're too good for it or whatever to being like, oh, I can actually appreciate her artistry. And I really like the things she's doing, Uh, which I think is interesting that, you know, she's reached that phase of her career where I don't feel like there's certainly still going to be people who don't like her because taste is subjective and that's fine. But I feel like the whole argument of like, I can't take her seriously as a musician, like that's finally gone away, (laughs) which like, in my opinion, it should have gone away when Fearless came out in, in 2008 because, I mean, she won Album of the Year for that. And that's a good record. Like, it's a good record. And not to say that every record she's released has been, like, fantastic, but uh, most of them have been. They've all had really good, you know, songs on them. But it's interesting that I feel like now it has, it's no longer, like, even Pitchfork can't hate on her, you know? <laughs> Uh, which even is pitchfork. even pitchfork like they won't give her a 10 but they don't give anybody a 10 you sure. know what i mean like like they're they have to like give her like good reviews you know what i mean like for pitchfork um so yeah but uh there's uh in in the discord which you haven't been to for a while but i know uh, I'll, I'll 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 get back in in the discord very recent posts uh in the overtired channel uh from casey and uh, it's it's a diagram or a bar chart stolen from the shitpost diagrams group on Facebook, and it is a breakdown of Taylor Swift's use of various swear words. Oh yeah, I saw this. Albums. I love this. And there's definitely an increase in swearing, uh, mm-hmm. like folklore and Evermore, like more than double the number of swear words total. Yeah, but she said she she says she says fuck. She says uh, the most prevalent words on Evermore are shit and damn. Mm-hmm. And not the most prevalent words, but the most prevalent right. swear words. Um, yes. Fuck gets uh, far fewer uses on Evermore than it did on it folklore. It does. Um, it does. Yeah. She she had like, I think. Half. Yeah, I was going to say, I think because um, she said um, uh, like. Yeah, because fuck is in two. um folklore songs but it's in the um chorus of betty so it's appears more times um whereas i believe the only time it's mentioned in um evermore is in the song um uh, uh champagne problems which is 
beautiful um where she like sings a thing about like you know she would have made such a lovely bride if she weren't so fucked in the head they said um and it's kind of a great lyric uh but she doesn't you know do the same uh she doesn't say it as often and it's certainly not in the chorus like um it is in betty um and like it is in um mad woman a couple of times but she says, but there is a uh, song, I think it's Ivy, uh, might, might be wrong, where goddamn is like in the chorus. And so I think that's why damn is so prevalent. I think they should have separated damn from goddamn because I feel like they're technically two different swear words. I agree. They are. They are. Um, and I actually, now that I think about it, I think that was my, that is my only problem with that breakdown. I knew, and, I knew Catholics growing up that would say damn, but uh -huh. you would not say goddamn. Oh, oh, I mean, okay, so I wasn't raised as a Catholic, but my mom was like a lapsed Catholic who then became an Episcopalian. And so I was definitely raised to never take the Lord's name in vain. Like yeah. you said, gosh, you'd never, and yeah, you could say damn or damn it, but you never said goddamn. And uh, that was certainly one of those things that I, I started saying God first, but it wasn't until I think like I rejected organized religion <laughs> that I actually finally started to say goddamn. Um or things Pretty like Jesus the, fucking Christ or the whatever. The number one reason to reject Christianity in general is so that you can say like Jesus and goddamn. Yeah. I think that's I think that's true. I mean, I think that it's certainly there's a thrill in it that if you grew up like with that as a taboo. <laughs> like it's not the reason to leave. I'm not saying that, but there is like a certain thrill that you get. You know, even if you don't leave, if you're just, you know, a kid who's like, oh, this is this is taboo in a way that other words were not like, honestly, I feel like taking the Lord's name in vain was more taboo than saying motherfucker. Sure. Uh, well, and for some honestly, reason, ass, ass and asshole, like asshole is far more um, dirty than saying ass. To say you're an ass, you know, because it almost has biblical, like yeah. you're referring to someone as a donkey, but asshole, that's a whole other meaning. Yeah. Well, they're different. They're different insults. Yeah. I don't know. It's weird. I always thought it was interesting that on TV, you know, you can say ass or asshole. That's almost never bleeped. Asshole sometimes is ass never is. It's usually um, ass bleep. Yeah. But, but bitch is always okay. Yeah. No matter what the context, bitch is always okay. And that's always, that was always something I remember like noticing that as like a small child and being like, okay, what's up with this? You know, and like picking up on the misogyny, even though I didn't know exactly what it was. And probably by the time I was 10, I realized I was like, oh, okay, I get it. So we can call women bitches because they're women, but asshole is always going to be bleeped. And some of these other things like, you know, aren't, aren't allowed because those are, you know, usually like not primarily, and they're not even gendered in the same way because a woman can be an asshole too, but it, it's definitely more like, um, you know, like, like son of a bitch, mm -hmm. maybe that would be a thing where maybe you would see people treat that, you know, more str str strongly, but I, I don't even think that gets bleep just because bitch is okay. Yeah, no, I think son of a bitch is such a like 1950s swear word. Oh, totally. That it, that my dad, my it. dad would say that. My dad would say that. They say shit on CBS all the time now. They say shit on Star Trek Discovery, which is just weird to me. Yeah, well, that's not uh, airing broadcast, so that's why. Oh, 
I see. So they don't they don't air that on broadcast. So that's why they can say it. So with the stuff you see on the CBS All Access is not the same as what they do on the um, you know, like network. You technically can say those words. It's oh, yeah. just it's just advertisers, really. There's right, no exactly. FCC regulation that says you can't swear. Yeah, I mean, there are certain things where, like, if you say you will get fined if you say, like, shit or if you say fuck on um, primetime. But, uh, like, there was one weird thing. I think, like, Bono in an award acceptance speech said fuck and it wasn't bleeped in an acceptance speech. And they were initially going to be fined and it was overturned because apparently the context in which he said it was not the same thing. Whereas there have been other instances where if they don't believe it out and people say it like, you know, people, they, they can get fined. Now on cable, that's where the difference is. So you don't have to be on HBO, like premium cable to be able to say all the words. It's just advertisers, like you say, but that's why FX and then FXX, uh, you know, with It's Always Sunny and some of their other shows was really the first to kind of push the boundary line and be like, okay, our advertisers know what this is. And (laughs) we, for syndication purposes, can't say these things and we'll have to bleep them, but we will let the show go ahead and just go balls out and, and say all the stuff that, that, you know, they would want to, that we would normally say on HBO. Um, but there are certain standards for broadcast still that are slightly different than basically on cable. Anything goes, it's just HBO and the showtimes and whatnot. The reason they've usually been allowed is because as you said, advertisers, like they don't have them. So, uh, they don't have to worry about that. Speaking of advertisers. Yes. Oh, (laughs) such a good segue. You just queued that up for me. Um, This episode happens to be brought to you by Ritual. Uh, If you're looking for a multivitamin that will fill in the gaps in your diet, Ritual is perfect. It's vegan, non-GMO, gluten and allergen free and provides nutrients that cover all the bases. I don't know about you, but uh, I get I get a little stressed out this time of year. I am horrible at Christmas shopping, Um, Mm -hmm. so I need all the nutrition I can get. Uh, Ritual multivitamins have no sugar, synthetic fillers, or artificial colorants. All of their ingredients are transparently sourced all the way through, and all of the nutrients come in bioavailable forms that your body can actually use. Ritual is scientifically developed to help support different life stages. Uh, I take the formula for men, but there are also formulations for teens, prenatal, and one for uh, for women, like Christina. Yep, and, which I've been taking. Excellent. And uh, uh, yeah. We've talked about the mint smell. I have never gotten over how much I love the mint smell. I keep the bars around (laughs) and sniff them. But uh, so my formula has 10 nutrients, including vitamin E and vitamin D, which we've talked about uh, my psychiatrist recommending. I've gone from taking four different daily supplements to just two ritual vitamins with my meds every morning. And with their delayed release formula, I can take them without a meal, which is which is cool for me. Um, and you deserve to know what's in your multivitamin. That's why Ritual is offering our listeners 10% off for their first three months. Visit ritual.com slash overtired to start your ritual today. Big thanks to Ritual. Big thanks to them. I have to say, I've actually, this is the longest I've taken a multivitamin in a really long time, <laughs> and I've been enjoying it. Well, so. it's super convenient that they just uh, they just show up and, yeah. It, it, it literally becomes a ritual. Um, so you use Spotify, right? 
I do. Well, I use Spotify and I use Apple Music, which does, is frustrating. Does Apple Music do a top songs of 2020 playlist for you? It, they do, but it's crappy. Like, it's not good. It's just based on, like, the number of, you know, times you've played it, which is slightly different. Like, Spotify does this whole unwrapped thing where they show, like, your most listened to artist yeah. and, like, new things you've discovered and, like, the amount of time you've listened and all this stuff. You know who my most do, listened to artist was? Guess. Uh, uh, K-Flay? Uh, it's, that was second. Billie Eilish. Nice. I can see that. I got really into Billie Eilish, apparently, according to Spotify. Anyways, you were saying about Spotify's playlist. Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So so their playlist is is good. It shows like your, you know, kind of like your 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 most loved songs of the year, like a hundred of them. I think that Apple's, I don't think it's a hundred. I don't know how many it is. Um, but they don't go into all the details, but yeah, but Spotify gives you all the rundown of data, which I really like. The frustrating thing for me is that I use both services and I use them in different ways. And there's not a way to, without lots and lots of effort, like there would be a way to do it. But realistically speaking, the way that I listen to music, there's not, because I always would for, you know, forget to open up certain things. There's not a way to kind of like have, um, a conglomeration of yeah. or aggregation. That's, that's what I'm looking for. Like to aggregate all of my listening data, which is annoying because a decade ago there was like, yeah. this is what pisses last me FM. off. Exactly. A decade ago, 15 years ago, even I had last FM, which would scrabble all my listens on, um, you know, Pandora on Spotify, on mm -hmm. iTunes on, I think I was even using Rhapsody, you know, before Spotify came to the U S or other things like that. You know what I mean? Like you could, mm -hmm. anything you listen to, it would aggregate and it would automatically pick up all of your iTunes listens. And, and, you know, you had like that history the there was even for a time like there was you know a, an ios app and, and things mm -hmm. would kind of run in the background now there are a couple of um like apple music clients that have yeah. scrabble support built in but if they're not running in the background and if you don't use it as your main player yep. then it stops picking up what you're playing and i just don't because those those clients no matter how good you know people what they put into them they just aren't as good as like the the native app was, I think that's primarily probably Apple's fault. I think Apple probably doesn't allow them to have access to certain things or, or whatever. But um, I, I end up not having like, you know, aggregation between my, my two data points. Yeah. And, and it's really frustrating. Like, like uh, Spotify still scrabbles to last yes. FM. But what's the point if Spotify is tracking all this stuff for you anyway? Like the whole right. point of last FM was to aggregate those multiple sources and yeah i run uh like neptunes and uh bar remote and these like on my mac mm -hmm. my my apple music stuff gets scrabbled but right. anything i listen to on apple music on my phone it doesn't get doesn't get added have you ever seen my soundtrack page i don't think i have uh, if you go to brettterpshire.com slash soundtrack I did these little experiments where I combined Last FM, Spotify, and uh, and Apple Music's uh, API. See, yeah, that's awesome, and and that's just, like this is something I used to have, kind of a similar thing, although it would usually just be, oh, this is nice. Um, yeah, I used to, you know, back in the day, you used to be able to do this. Oh, this is really, this is really uh, nice. Hey, thanks. It was a, a fun experiment with HTML5 stuff, too. Um, but, yeah, and they all have previews. You can click on any song. I know. I'm looking at it. It's really nice. Um, yeah. So, anyway, uh, Spotify has by far the better 
SDK. Um, yes. Last FM has always had like the same API for the last 15 years. It's always mm-hmm. been the same API and it has not been updated. So right. Spotify's is, is far superior and it's far superior to Apple Music's capabilities too. I, Spotify is the better service. I also use both. But as far as like my daily custom playlists and the stuff that it shares with me automatically and the the social aspect and the general availability of the music I want to listen to, Spotify wins. Like I, I there's yeah. no way I would cancel Apple Music if I needed to save the money, but I would always keep Spotify. Yeah, I'm an so yeah, I think the only reason that I prefer Apple Music in some context is that I've over the years, so for many, many years, I still actually pay for this, even though I, it's, it's superfluous, but I pay the $25 a year or whatever it is for the um, iTunes match. And I have a bunch of stuff that I've either purchased or acquired other ways that is not in a catalog that is not available to stream that I've uploaded to my, my iCloud, you know, my, my iTunes music cloud that I can listen to within the Apple music interface. And that for me is key because there are certain albums and certain songs and certain remixes and certain things that like, I just, I, I want them a certain way. And so that is the one thing I can't give up. And I think that is why I use both. Sure. And especially on mobile, that's usually why I default to Apple Music. But on the desktop, because I do have access to iTunes if I needed to access, you know, that or, or the music app, whatever the hell you want to call it. You know, if, if I need to access that album, like Spotify is the superior experience. It just is, you know, like it, it's more lightweight. It doesn't feel like it's, you know, taking up um, a million, you know, um, you know, like seconds to open. Like I don't have, you know, all these fears of this other stuff going on. It's just it's good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I mean, like if I had to pick one. Uh, no, actually, I don't know. I think I, I think I'm I'm one of those people like I I'm like resigned to having to pay for both. Yeah, I get that. You know who so, slipped into my top twenty twenty artists that I so Spotify has this thing where they build me playlists that are like they're half like my daily playlist. You know, yeah, they're, they're half songs that I already love, and then they yes. slip in new artists, new stuff, which I love about them because the awesome. Apple. Yeah, because Apple My Favorites, which is a great mix, issue with it is it's all stuff that you've liked. Right. So you don't ever get anything new, yeah. which is fine, you know, just to have like a really good like mix. But I like what Spotify does where it introduces you to new stuff. Yeah. And Apple, Apple has not been good for discovery for me. Spotify I agree is with that. amazing for it. But, Agreed. So Bishop Briggs, I had never heard of. I had never intentionally sought out, but they started slipping her into my, my playlist. And she actually ended up in my top songs of 2020 multiple times. Nice. Have you okay, ever I'm heard Bishop it. Briggs? I don't think I have actually. Check out, I'm, check out I'm, Wild I'm, Horses by Bishop Briggs. Okay. Okay. I will. Um, so for me on Spotify, I think my, my top kind of newer Taylor Swift was my, was my top artist mm-hmm. uh, naturally. Cause mm-hmm. that's, that's, well, that's always the case. Uh, but some of my other artists, you know, were were some other people. But I guess one of my newer ones was for my 2020 wrapped was um, was uh, Gracie Abrams, who mm. is J.J. Um, uh, Abrams's daughter. And she's very, very good. She's very, very good. She just turned 21. Um, she's released an EP 
and that's it. But and and I, and I think there were a couple of singles that came out before that. But um, she is she's sort of similar to Billie Eilish, I guess, in, insofar as it's bedroom pop. But I would actually say she's closer to Phoebe Bridgers. Wait, wait, um, hold on. Slow. Okay, what was the name? Uh, Gracie Abrams. Gracie. In my head, that immediately translated to Stacey Abrams, and that oh yeah, that and then that went to Georgia. Yeah, yeah. No, Gracie, great uh, Gracie Abrams. And then she's, she's closer really good. to um, Phoebe Bridgers. Don't know who that is either. Oh, you would really like Phoebe Bridgers. Um, actually, you will really like Phoebe Bridgers. She's very good. You she's can clever. My spelling in the show note. I will, um, if, if they're wrong. But no, uh, Phoebe Bridgers, um, she was nominated for Best New Artist uh, Grammy, which is weird because she's been out for a while. But um, yeah, her her album, um, uh, Punisher, is is really good. Um, and um, she's had, you know, a couple other ones. She's really, really, like, kind of fantastic. Cool. Um, so yeah, but, but, but Gracie Abrams is, was, uh, was on my list, and, and that was happy. And actually, I think that was one that Spotify actually through my way through one of their playlists like through one of their recommendation things and and i was like i i heard a song that she did called 21 and was like i love this and then i started listening to more stuff and then i was actually i hate to, i hate to admit this i was sort of annoyed when i realized that like her dad is super famous because <laughs> i was like god damn it like and the thing is and there's nothing against her because she's incredibly talented she's worked really hard she's also very pretty but like not in like a, a way where it's like you know like plasticky like she's she's a sure. seems like a really cool chick um but you know like her dad is like one of the most famous movie directors <laughs> of course she's gonna get a record deal like sure. whether she was good or not she would but i have to give her credit like she's actually really really good right. and 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 her music is is very much like definitely um diaristic but you know kind of better pop but like she's 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 talented she's really talented so so my recommendation uh some of my playlists are heavily based off of my love of bands like sepultura and one new band that slipped into those playlists is called warp chamber and okay if, if you're looking for a break from anything poppy warp chamber will um will put your brain in a blender and you'll be a mess if you make it through an entire song their songs are about uh let's say five minutes long if you make it through an entire song let me know text me and be like i survived a warp chamber song it's i, I think they would classify it as thrash but there are so many categories of metal that i don't even know anymore like i can recognize black metal and i can recognize like 80s thrash metal but i don't right. i don't know what half of these other technical metal crazy things are anyway. well and metal has kind of gone underground at this point too right because it's it's not mainstream at all right. so so like how it's evolving and what it's changing which is interesting because it will eventually become like more mainstream again like that that always happens but at this point like it's very much an underground thing well so i think metal kind of faded after and this is weird but um What's the form of electronic music that's all like digital glitches and dubstep? Yeah. Dubstep kind of took metal's place in in a more mainstream sense. I would agree and with that. Are, and and good dubstep has always stayed, you know, off the radio, but aspects of dubstep started creeping into all kinds of songs. Like the For sure. bass drop became ubiquitous in pop music. 
I mean, Taylor Swift used it in 2012. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone did. It, it's just part of the sound now. There's also this sound in 2020 that's these like reverse reverbed keys. Like you would recognize it immediately. You hear it like everywhere from commercials to pop songs. And I can't, I won't, I'm not even going to try to like describe the sound, but you would immediately recognize it and be like, yeah, that's a song from 2020. Yeah. It's weird how that works, right? Like there are these certain like, um, things where you can listen to, you know, uh, even, I mean, th this has always been the case, but where you can listen to a song, you can be like, yeah, I know what year this is from. Yeah. Um, well, they're, and, they're because, like trends and, yep. and you can trace them all back to like underground mm -hmm. music. And, and yeah, yeah, it's kind of I, I think that's kind of cool the way that uh, people it's it's like riffing off each other. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't call it outright theft in most cases. No, I mean, I mean, because it's not I mean, look, music, I mean, in some cases it is, but in most cases, it's not I mean, because music has been like, in its entire history it's been passed down it's right. all about being remixed and reused and whatnot i had a weird debate with somebody last week i actually got kind of pissed off i don't know who this person was but i was i was commenting on you know artistry or something like that and um somebody was saying something like he he enjoyed somebody because like they they wrote their own songs or whatever i was making a comment <laughs> on somebody writing their own songs then he was like yeah well how can you call yourself an artist if you don't write your own songs and i was like okay <laughs> you know and, and, and I laughed because I was kind of like, okay, let's just ignore the entire history of recorded music, which in most cases was singing songs that someone else wrote, yeah. right? Or taking something else, like our national anthem, Grant pointed this out, and he's right, like was cribbed from someone else. Like mm -hmm. the, the whole history of rock and roll literally <laughs> yeah. is take is performing songs written by other people. Like, mm -hmm. it, you know, it, the outliers are actually the people who you know, write their own. Like that's actually much more rare. Um, you know, like the Beatles, like when they started out, weren't really doing their own and then they did, but like, that's a rarity, you know, like Elvis didn't write his own songs, you know? Um, and, and then he was actually trying to point to metal bands and whatnot and, and kind of, you know, like, like, you know, Van Halen and shit like that. Oh, they wrote their own songs. And I'm like, okay, not to take anything away from Eddie Van Halen, like, like Rust and Power, but like, you can't compare that songwriting to, songwriting that you know has happened in in like other genres of music you just can't like the guitar bits sure right but like lyrically and 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 some of the other components it's just not the same right like right. it's just like it, it's different and but like literally the whole history of like rock and roll is like you know motown all that stuff is is song by committee i mean nashville literally song by committee like it's very rare that the artist actually records their own music which is why Again, like to go back to Taylor Swift, but also to people like 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 Phoebe Bridgers and Kay Flay and like, you know, some other like artists like uh, Billie Eilish. Right. Like mm -hmm. it's it's impressive because you see them actually being able to not just be the songwriters, but Prince, you know, but like uh, also, you know, um, be like the the face of it because there's a difference like in artistry is different. Like, you know, are you going to say that like Whitney Houston is was less of an artist? than someone else because she didn't write her own music like fuck off like well you know I mean, so Sinead O'Connor yeah like, she she wrote some really good tracks but her she did. best track honestly is, is was Prince. written by Prince absolutely and absolutely and I don't think the song would have been the same done by Prince no in fact it was not if you listen to his version it's not it, it's not powerful like it's it's a it's a good track but it's not the same like it hasn't doesn't have any of the same like 
resonance at all. And yeah, she's she wrote some good tracks. I mean, Cindy Lauper is that weird hybrid in that, uh, and I, I thought of her because Prince wrote some of her songs too, but she wrote on most of the tracks on She's So Unusual, which is a great album. Um, and she's written a bunch of songs for other people and she has a Tony, you know, cause she did Kinky Boots and stuff like that. But like, um, she was kind of one of those, those rarities in that like she could, she's good at maybe writing songs that other people could do, but also had like a completely kind of unique point of view. But Maybe even I've never like her, given Cindy Lauper enough credit. You haven't. Like, if you have to go back and like listen to "She's So Unusual." It's an amazing album, and the stuff that she does with Prince's songs it's similar to Sinead, but it's slightly different because she, I do think, because Sinead was so young when uh, I mean, Cindy was young too, but it's different. Like um, some of the stuff that like um, Cindy did with like "When You Were Mine," which was originally like a Prince song, and like the way that she, you know, like didn't change the lyrics, which made like the, the the male character you know bisexual which was interesting and and just like her arrangement was artistically like hers so it still sounds like a cindy lopper song even though it's a prince song hmm, yeah. which is interesting uh anyway yeah that that's my shout out for for she's so unusual which uh <laughs> um one of the key albums of my life not even gonna lie but also like a really fucking good 80s like record that continues to stand up like i probably listen to that at least once a year and i'm like yeah this this is still a really good record and time after time great fucking song yeah great ballad that for sure did she write that she did yes okay that's that's going in the show notes there will be a link to uh some video version of time after time just because absolutely because that's a i mean it's just one of those great songs and and probably our cover art for the week will have something to do with Cindy Lauper or Christine Houdini. I love it. I found something to like about Big Sur, and believe okay. me, it's it's one of few. But do okay. you remember how I was having that problem where every time I unplugged from my uh, my uh, USB C dock, my computer would reboot. Yes, that no longer happens with Big Sur. Amazing. Okay, so they've updated the USB driver, the USB C host drivers, apparently, so that that works now with your dock. So that's good. Yeah, because you're using the um, what should we call it? Dock. Um, uh, the Cal Digit. Yes, the Cal Digit, the TS3 Plus, which yeah. is a great dock. Yeah, yes, it is. Um, on the flip side, uh, you've probably oh wait, you're not running Big Sur, are you? I mean, I've got it on a, I've got it on a, on a container, but no, not full so time. So in toolbars, you know, like at the top of a window with yes. the icons across it, they have yeah. this default style now that in big, bold letters puts the name of the pane you're on, on the left side. And if you don't specifically change your code to tell it that this is, this should be a preference toolbar it basically will shove all of your preference panel icons off the right side into a, an overflow menu. And it's ugly and stupid and I hate it. And even after you change it, so in Marked, I, I went in and I specifically told it, this is a preference toolbar. Don't show that goddamn left label. It right. still centers the icons. So when you switch <sighs> between panes of different width, your icons move. This is stupid. There's no reason for this. In the video, uh, like the WWDC video they did on it, they're like, this is great. This is this is better. It, it centers your icons the way they should be. No, 
they should be left aligned and they should stay static as you flip between panes. It's driving me insane. See, all these things that you like to talk about with this is actually really um, funny because uh, my friend Chris like DM'd me and um, he'd wanted advice first about buying a Mac. And uh, he and his wife, I think they both got like 16 inch MacBooks like right before the M1 announcement. And it was like, did we make a mistake? Did we not? And I was like, eh, for what you're wanting to do, probably not, honestly. Um, and he was asking, you know, should we go ahead and upgrade, you know, to, to Big Sur? And I was like, well, depends on what you're doing. But if unless you're doing, you know, like development stuff, you're probably OK. And he was like, oh, no, she's a web developer and she does a lot of stuff with, you know, JavaScript and CSS and all this other stuff. And I was like, she's probably OK, but I would wait. And I was actually thinking about you and like the stuff that you'd run into. I was like, she's probably using a package manager like Homebrew. But if you're doing anything, I was thinking I was like, she was doing anything with any of the built in system libraries. You know, I was like, yeah. you know, yeah, like. I, I like I get it for somebody like you, like you're trying to update your apps, you're trying to test things with with, um, you know, NV Ultra and and you need to. But um, my colleagues, it, it's so insane to me, like, you know, we use Macs at, at work and, and like they've upgraded like their work machines and are having issues. And I'm like, why? Like, have we not learned? Like, I I, I mean, I'm, I'm at the point where and I'm like, like the, you know, died in the wool, like Apple fangirl. And I'm like, no, I'm not upgrading my work machine. Hell no. Like. And it has nothing to do with that will it work with Microsoft stuff. Like, that's not my concern. My concern is like, can I get my day job done? And yeah, totally. until I feel confident that I can, I'm not updating. So that's where I'm at. Okay. I have three things. Yes. First of all, while we're talking, Frank Petrie sent me a link to the, uh, what Jimmy, not Fallon. Kimmel. Yes. The Jimmy Kimmel yep. interview with Taylor Swift. Oh, it's really good. It's really good. <laughs> that's what he said. Good interview. Uh, yeah. So I, I'll check that out because I, I do like Jimmy Kimmel. Um, number two, we have one more sponsor to get through before we wrap up here. Fantastic. Um, and so what if this year you found something to help you be less stressed and handle the ups and downs that life throws at you? That's and Headspace. Yeah. Um, Headspace is your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy to use app. It's one of the only meditation apps advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research. It's backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews, and over 60 million downloads. Uh, whatever the situation, Headspace can help you feel better. If you're feeling overwhelmed, they have as short as three-minute long SOS meditations for you. Uh, they have workout soundtracks, and they have The Wake Up, a daily original content intended to inspire your day from the moment you wake up. Um, working from home gives you more freedom over your day, but it can also make it harder to focus. Uh, they just came out with uh, Work From Home, WFH with Aluna, uh, who's Aluna Greg, I think, was the duo she was in, but uh, she has some at atmospheric synth pop for while you work, uh, along with some breathing, breathing exercises to help you, uh, regain your focus. And there's a sleep soundtrack called pebble pile that I've totally gotten into because it taps into my childhood love of rock collecting. <laughs> I, I was, in, I was an indoor kid, except for when I was out collecting rocks. <laughs> I and, love it. <laughs> so they have this, this sleep soundtrack that basically it, it, you're, you're on a, beach going through these rock collections and it's describing the origins of all these rocks and it it taps into my childhood it's delightful 
You deserve to feel happier, and Headspace is meditation made simple. Go to headspace.com slash overtired. That's headspace.com slash overtired, and you'll get a one-month trial with access to uh, Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. This is the best deal you'll find right now, so head to headspace.com slash overtired today. I got that in just under the wire. I love it. I love it. Thank you, Headspace. And and everybody could think could use that right now, right? I, I, yes, for sure. Um, the last thing I'll mention, and I don't know if I should say this publicly because I might jinx it, but did I, did I already tell you about the ultimate hacking keyboard version two testing? No. They, Laszlo from ultimate hacking keyboard contacted me. Um, you know, I basically evangelized for that keyboard. Yeah. I was going to say, I think, I think like, I know like three people personally who bought it because of you. Yeah, <laughs> I, I know several as well. Um, and uh, they contacted me because version two is coming out with uh, hot swappable key switches and <gasps> RGB lighting. And, Ooh. and they're finally going to ship the thumb modules. Like it's a split keyboard. And uh, at the thumbs, there's these connections that they've always promised these, like you can get key clusters and, and uh, trackpads and things for your thumbs. But right. They've, they've never shipped them. So Laszlo contacted me to ask if I would be interested in testing the prototype of the V2 and all the modules. And I said, oh, God, yes. So and you I, were like, you were like, yes, please. Yes. I, I literally said, oh, God, yes. Um, I, I haven't heard back from him since my fawning response, but I really am hoping that comes through and I get to get my because it's it's over 200 bucks and and I also want the wrist rest for it and I can't justify the expense right now when my version one is working so well right well but. and 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 <laughs> right no and here's the thing I'm just gonna like say this like uh, Lazo like if you're listening like you are genuinely the best person to be a tester for this because you will give really good feedback it's not you're not somebody who's just gonna be like you know seeking a freebie like a you've sold a lot of these things like i said i know three people that i work with who've bought them because of you right um and and you've sold who knows how many more but b like you're the sort of person who you would want that product feedback from yeah and i say this as somebody who i've been very lucky over the years as you have but like we've both been sent a lot of stuff over the years to review and and whatnot and sometimes i think i've probably been sent stuff just because of i have a lot of twitter followers and um, maybe I've done a good job giving feedback symptoms I haven't, but there've been other times when I'm like, no, I'm actually the exact target market for your product. I am the person that you should have review this. Like there was some sort of, you know, um, kind of DIY, like email server thing. And I actually, um, criticized the product on Hacker News and then wound up having lunch with the CEO and then he sent me the product and I gave him a lot of feedback and like, you know, that's not free and it's not free for you to give the feedback and to write the blog post that you do about the keyboard and to really put it through its paces. And so that's the sort of thing that frankly, like, I think would be a benefit. So my fingers are crossed for you that you get, you get that. Thanks. I will, I will, I will refer Laszlo to this timestamp in the, uh, in the podcast. Yep. Thanks for your support. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I like I, I want to know if I need to buy or not, because I've been really happy with um, the, the Keychron 2 that I got. But um, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm always very happy to like have, like, I'm happy to spend money on shit. Basically, <laughs> you know, this you're a shopper. I am a shopper. I am a shopper. It's how I've been dealing with things. 
I, so. I spend more money the broker I get. It's a really bad habit, but something about when I start to feel like I'm running out of money, the thing that makes me feel better is buying something. Is spending stuff. Well, there's also, and, and like, there's actually kind of a theory in this, which is when you feel kind of like hopeless or not hopeless, but like when it feels like further away from being able to afford the things you need or whatever, like it becomes easier to spend more indiscriminately. Extinction like, instinct. Right. Like, like, like for instance, for me, like I joke, but I, it's not a joke where I'm like, you know, um, people are like, oh my gosh, you know, you, you buy all this stuff and whatnot. And, and some people have actually asked me, they're like, do you, do you have like a problem or are you like, okay. And I'm like, <laughs> no, I have like a ridiculous amount of money in savings. And I pay my credit cards off in full every month, unless I'm specifically using like a 0%, a, you know, APR like promo sure. or whatever. Right. Like I, I don't have any issues with that. My thing though, is that I, I joke, but it's not a joke. I'm like, I can't, I don't have a house. I can't own property. And that's because the cost of doing that, like I would need, like I have a lot in savings, but I would need about double what I have um, mm. to be able to put a down payment on something. And that's like, because I can't, I can't buy something for less than a million dollars. Like <laughs> it, 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 that's like, I don't have the option. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? And so, so when, so when that becomes your reality and you're like, okay, I'm going to need like this amount of down payment and this amount of other stuff for a mortgage you're like at least for me i'm like yeah you know what fuck it like just buy the 500 dollars sneakers just just get the stupid headphones just buy the keyboards because what else like it just seems so far off i'm like okay if i have to save up you know 250 or 300 thousand dollars like okay you know like i might as well just speaking, buy the other stuff speaking of a million dollars yeah. Did you see uh, Apple's small business program? Yes, I did. If you make under a million dollars a year they on cut the, the app store. Yep. Cut from 30% take to a 15% take, which is not insignificant. No, it's actually pretty significant. The only problem is people pointed out, and like this is why I think people were saying like it'd be better if they did like an adjustable, you know, like percentage thing, kind of like adjustable tax rates, is that if you were in this weird thing where you make over a million, but under 1.3 or 1.4 or something, it would actually be better for you if you sold fewer copies in terms of what your percentage would be. Like there is like a math thing where like, if you, if you have too much revenue, but under a certain amount, it's actually be better for you to have like under a million dollars in revenue. I so, aspire to have that problem. I mean, same, honestly. Um, but I, I actually, I thought that, that was a move in the right direction. I think there's still a lot of things that they should well, it's about time. Uh, adjust like, on that. Have been I agree. Calling for this forever. They have. They have. I mean, look, I think that there's the, the cynic in me that would be like, well, this is what happens when like you're facing down the, you know, um, you know, the barrel of, of, of regulation um, or, or, you know, like antitrust, you know, um, inquiries and whatnot. And there might be some truth to that. I think the bigger thing, I don't think Apple's that worried about the government to be totally honest. Maybe they should be, but I don't think they are. I think the bigger thing is that the, um, discontent from the developer community has become bigger and bigger and bigger, and it's become a PR drum that they can't just ignore and get rid of. And that is the sort of thing that will have long lasting, uh, negative consequences. And I say that as a company, I guess somebody who works at a company that is still cleaning up from some of the negative repercussions that happened. Some of the things that happened 20 years ago are, are still impacting like my job today, which is fine. Like, it, the, and I'd have to explain to people, I'm like, 
I was 15 when this thing that you're talking about happened. Like I have no control over this, but I also can be like, but I understand that you even in people who like were never even impacted by it. Like I've heard the stories and like, you know, reputations are built and it's like, it's really, really hard to build goodwill. It's really easy to lose it. So, um, you know, I think it's a good move, right? Because a, it's not insignificant. Uh, B, I, I, think we all aspire to maybe you know be developers who would have that sort of revenue where they have to like make the decision like do i take in less or do i try to you know squeeze out more um but see you know it's like yeah you don't want you don't want that to become like the meme which is you know App- apple does doesn't care about about their devs like you don't want that to become the conversation which unfortunately has been part of the i guess discourse for a while there was a great Onion headline this week that said Facebook was making moves to break up the government before they get too big. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and right now, as this comes out, we're recording on Tuesday, but Wednesday at noon, uh, Daniel Jalcut is doing a, uh, a talk with um, App Figures. Nice. Uh, uh, a Zoom chat uh, webinar on getting more downloads and keeping users happy that I will gladly be attending because Daniel Jalcut is like a hero of mine. Oh yeah. Mine too. I love him actually. Um, a shout out to Daniel. Uh, when I first moved to uh, Brooklyn, he was still living in Brooklyn at the time and came to the surprise party that Grant threw for me at, oh, nice. a, at a bar in the neighborhood, which was really sweet of him. He's and the, he's super social, super nice guy. And great guy. Honestly, best programmer I know. I mean, and Mars edit is still one of those apps. Like I, I like I bought it and and I I you know I bought all of his stuff but it's one of those things like I have it installed and set up you know what I mean just because mm-hmm. I want to give him use for it and I don't use it you know because I don't have a need to anymore <laughs> but like I have it open and I open it on occasion just because I'm like I I want to you know what I mean like uh, no I haven't gone that far to open apps I don't need but I do make sure to run the setup versions of the apps I do need yeah totally I, I mean I totally do including that including Bartender Four shout out again mm-hmm. best best mac utility yeah bartender 4 is really good yeah no i, I always do the, the setup things like a, a was it i think default folder x was one mm-hmm. that recently yep. came in and i was like that's one of my most used apps and i was like yep, yep going through the process replacing this oh, the fucking save dialogues if you try to export from um logic in big sur the options uh-huh. window covers up the folder view so you have to dismiss the options, like all of the format options. You have to dismiss them just to see what folder you're saving into. For fuck's like, this sake. is not good design. No, it's not. It's like I, I, I get it. I get it. They really want a touch screen. I, I get it. <laughs> just, totally. just like, well, fine. In the, in the, the little pop up, the like control center with Wi-Fi and Bluetooth and yeah. everything, there are no back buttons anymore. You, you tap the titles. <laughs> Right to to get out, which is absolutely supposed to be a touchscreen. Like it, it absolutely is. Well, no, I mean th- this is why. Uh, and and some of our, our friends at Apple who listen to this are going to be mad at me, and I, and I apologize. But this is why I'm calling bullshit on. I don't care how many times you know Craig and Jaws are like, oh no, we're we're not doing a touchscreen thing. Yes, you are. Yes, <laughs> you, you are. are. You're just not doing it well. Right. Well, I mean, it's like I, I, I grant you that the way we might see it might be different than the way that it's been approached before. But yes, you are. And if you're not, then 
wow, I have some serious concerns (laughs) about who is doing, you know, some of your UX stuff, right? It's like, no, don't don't tell me this. Like this is just like you weren't doing an iPod video, just like you weren't going to do a seven inch iPad, just like you weren't going to bring, you know, like, Mm -hmm. like you weren't going to make a phone, like, you know, like, yeah, you're, you're doing a damn touchscreen Mac and it might be a different form than what we're all anticipating. Just like the iPad was not what we thought that a tablet, you know, like an Apple tablet would be, but yeah, touch is coming. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, I wasn't born yesterday. I, I, I'm not. Stop I'm not lying. claiming to be. The, I'm not. I'm not claiming to be the smartest person in the world, but I'm certainly not the dumbest. <laughs> you certainly are not. You certainly are not. All right. Uh, yeah, it's about well, that time. Well, huh? Brett, it's about that time. But this has been fun. Um, uh, I will um listen to um uh. The some of the music suggestions you gave me, I want you to <laughs> listen to some of the Taylor Swift stuff. Um, I will send you some of my favorite tracks from Evermore. It's a good album. Like it's, I I can't pick between uh, Folklore and Evermore. I just can't. I think they're they're sister albums. They're they are sister albums. Together. They they are right, but but like they're both really good. But there are aspects of Evermore that I do appreciate because it feels like she just was experimenting in some ways. And I I don't know. I'm. I'm impressed with the creativity. I'm I'm impressed with the fact that once again, like t- she's also re-recording all of her old songs. So like, I, you know, I, maybe Taylor's manic. Uh, maybe that's a rumor we should start because like, she seems to be like having like peak, like, like, you know, she's very prodigious right now. So. Um, yeah. Well, listen to warp chamber right before your next, uh, your next meeting at work. Okay. Which is like and, uh, right now. So yeah. Yeah. Quick, get on that. It doesn't matter what song. They're basically all the same. Okay. Sounds good. <laughs> all right. Well, once you get through today, get some sleep. All right. Get some sleep, Brett. The system is going down low.